the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 473 for Sunday, November 3rd, 2013. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, the show. You send in questions and tips and cool stuff found and all that other great stuff. We answer your questions. We share your tips. Sometimes we share cool stuff found. And uh, all together now, we like to learn a little something new each and every time we come together about the Mac and Apple products and all that good stuff. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in beautiful um, leaf... Uh... <laughs> Leaf changing, getting chilly, fearful Connecticut. This is John F. Braun. It is nice to talk to you, my friend. How are you today? Fantastic. No, I went for a went for a little. Uh, so uh, uh, I'm I'm kind of shocked. We actually have a frost warning tonight. Oh, it's gonna yeah. get below freezing. Yeah. But um, oh, Dave, you may have seen some of the photos I took here. But you know, this is one of the things that makes it kind of cool to be in the Northeast. Is the uh, you know the leaves are changing. They're pretty, and it was funny because actually one of one of, one of the uh, our listeners here who lives in Texas was I took a picture and she was like, "What's wrong with the trees?" And I'm like, hmm, "That that's called fall. That's what that's what happened." <laughs> She's like, "Well, out in Texas, it goes from green to, to brown, or, or just nothing." Right. So um, right, yeah, yeah it's yeah, one, yeah, one yeah. of the nice parts of yeah being in the Northeast is the the beautiful scenery. I agree. But, uh, I agree, John. I, I was so excited, you know, and on, uh, uh, I guess it was Thursday. I was going through our emails, you know, and checking things mm -hmm. out. And as I do, and, uh, listener stone wrote in and I'm not sure actually if stone is, um, male or female. So I would simply, I, I won't make any assumptions. So stone said, I'm guessing most of your audience, uh, and you have played Mist before. I wanted to let you know about a crowd crowdfunded game that Cyan, the makers of Mist and Riven, are trying to develop. I would love to see this get made. Maybe you could mention it on the show. The na the game absolutely we will mention it on the show. John, you and I went crazy over Mist and Riven and all of that stuff. Uh, those were some of the best games I ever remember playing. Mist was from what I recall, one of the first games where you were like, oh my gosh, this is why I need a CD-ROM. Right. That's right. It was the reason to have a CD-ROM I think ROM Apple drive. actually promoted it heavily. They're like, hey, yeah. you know, we got this thing called CD-ROM. By the way, there's this game called Mist, and it was just something that uh, had never, you know, it wasn't a shooter. It was more a strategy. You know, the imagery was beautiful, and uh, it yeah, took advantage of the CD. And there was, and no, was there was no one path to take through the game. You, you, you know, right? I mean, you, it was just. Well, there were, there were right paths and wrong paths. Well, correct. But you could solve it in, di in a different order. Like you could, you could have gone to the worlds in a certain order and I could have gone in a different order and we still would have both gotten to the end if we'd persisted in, and solved the right puzzles. But uh, yeah. I don't trust no one. Yes. Some of those brothers were uh, misleading you, and that's all I'll say. So have you <laughs> seen, the new game is called Abduction with an O, Abduction. And uh, and it is about uh, people being abducted. They, they decided that they would hmm. go to, uh, kind of go back to their roots. They're not making a missed sequel, 
Um, but it is what they're good at, which is, you know, kind of dropping you into some foreign world. And they, they, they started by asking the question, what happens to a person who is abducted? And uh, and then you, the player, are taken to a faraway planet in this bizarro world. And then you see a house with a white picket fence. And, and, and there are other people that have been abducted there. And you've got to figure out. Then and then that's it. That's that's sort of you know. I mean that's that's all the information you have when you start this game. So uh, so I'm very excited. I I kicked in my uh, my 25 bucks and uh, and I I'm not sure exactly where they are. They're they're allowing it via Kickstarter and via PayPal. So uh, I'm not sure how much you can't do PayPal with Kickstarter. So uh, their goal is 1.1 million on Kickstarter. They're at about 750,000 there. I don't know how much they've gotten on PayPal on the other side of it. Um, but, uh, but I kicked in via PayPal cause that's where I had some, mm. some cool. funds. And for around. those who do not know, Kickstarter is a platform where typically from what I've seen, people will uh, start a project and ask for donations. And uh, if they reach a goal, um, typically people that contribute before the goal is reached will get a, a goodie. Like in this case, I would think you would get a copy of the game. Yeah. And you can kick in, goal. you can kick in more and get a t-shirt and you know, all that you can actually kick in more and have an object of your creation uh, included mm. in the game and you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, no, it's very cool. So, uh, so go check it out. I, uh, I love games like this. This is the, you know, uh, well, very curious to see where it goes. So thanks stone. I, I may have missed that. Had you not sent it in, things have been busy lately. All right. Uh, moving on to let's, let's move on to, well, we had a couple of tips actually come through. And so we will go to those in, in the last show, John, uh, we were talking about Mavericks and I, uh, I had said, or we had said that, uh, we talked about a couple things first was, uh, about, I talked about multiple monitor spanning and how Mavericks changes it. Well, the way Mavericks, uh, the one of the things that they needed to fix in Mavericks was full screen mode on multiple monitors. Because if you dragged in, in Mountain Lion and prior, if you dragged uh, a window to a monitor and then and then told that window to go full screen, it would not. I mean, it would. But the other screen would just be blank linen. Right. You couldn't do anything on that other screen, whereas now in Mavericks, you can have one screen be, you know, one one screen have something in full screen and the other one can be either another app in full screen or in windowed mode. And the way they got around this was by making each screen its own space using the spaces uh, functionality in OS 10. And then that kind of allowed this whole thing to, to happen. But it. It, as we said last week, it causes some weird side effects like having the menu bar everywhere and having the dock kind of auto move when you, you know, pop your cursor to the bottom of the screen. And, and we were lamenting that you couldn't disable some of that functionality, but you can disable all of that functionality. Go to system preferences, go to mission control, and there's a checkbox there that says displays have separate spaces. If you uncheck that box, you then have to log out and log back in or reboot uh, to get that change to take effect. And, but once you do that, you're then 100% back to mountain lion mode. 
which may or may not be what you wanted. You, you still get the blank linen if you go full screen and all of that stuff. But at least you don't have this wonky menu bar dock, you know, window spanning issue. So thanks, Eric. That that was uh, that was a handy one. And then. OK, well, I have a mini tangent because this go. is something that I actually. Uh, so someone I follow uh, on Twitter brought this up and said, oh, my gosh, I think this is a new feature. And actually, it turns out it wasn't, but it's it's useful, I think, to remind people that this is there. So mission control. And I've really never paid much attention to it, Dave. But so so the person that said this said, hey, you know what? If you do control, I believe it's control down arrow. Yep. So he was observing if you're in preview and you do that, it will show you multiple windows here. And he was like, oh, is this a new feature of Mavericks? And I, I was looking around and I'm like, well, no, it's really a mission control feature that at least on my MacBook Pro happens to be mapped to control down arrow. And it's the application windows. Thing. Right. So I guess what we're, what I'm saying here is check out mission control. You, you may have not realized that it does a lot of cool things. And again, the, the, you know, somebody thought this was a new feature in Mavericks and it's like, no, it wasn't. This is a existing right. feature. And you probably just stumbled across it by an accidental, which I do this too, is sometimes I'll accidentally hit something on the keyboard and something cool will happen. And I'm like, what did I just do? Yeah, what, so. what just happened? No, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah mission control, it, it, it's an interesting thing. And, and it's very easy to overlook this stuff. You know, it, it's the kind of thing that we all sort of, you know, us geeks, we look at when the OS first comes out. And it's like, ah, that's different. I don't use that currently, you know, and then you stop using it. But, but there are features of it that can be very, very cool. So, yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Um, the other thing that Eric mentioned, and we've had Eric, you are not alone here. Uh, you are in good company. Many people, both on Twitter and via email, uh, all mentioned uh, with regards to creating a Maverick boot disk that there is a uh, there is a terminal command that you can run. Apple inside the OS 10 installer has baked in a utility accessible from the terminal that allows you to uh, to create a boot disk. You, you just tell it, here's where I want you to make the boot disk. And it does it. Um, and Eric, in his in his wisdom, uh, posted a blog post on his own blog describing how to do this. It's a it's a great little how to. Uh, I mean, it you know, the terminal command is a little wonky, but you can just copy and paste it in from from Eric's website. And uh, and it'll work. But yeah, you just I mean, it, it's it, there's a little command baked in there called create install media and you tell it where mm. the installer is and where the volume that you want it to uh, create the boot disk on. And then it just goes through the process and does it. It's just magic. Uh, so if you've got a USB drive, that's what I, I guess it has to be five gigs or larger. So this right. is, since they don't make five gig USB drives, it's got to be eight gigs or larger, but you could partition it. You could put, you know, make a five gig partition. I think five's enough. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that works. So thanks, Eric. That's fantastic stuff. It's the very least they could do Dave, since they broke the, yeah, the other way of that doing would work it right. in the past couple of OSs. Cause actually I've done that. And here's a reminder to people. If you do have prior installers and actually I did this, Dave, so I actually revived so in your application folder, when you download these from the app store, you will have things called install lion, install mountain lion, install Mavericks. Yep. If you run those, those files will disappear right. once they've done their work. So what you want to do is before 
you run them, and I did this. So on one of my machines, I actually had all three of them. One I actually restored because I, you know, as you may have heard, I upgraded my machine to uh, Mountain Lion now. Um, I took all those and put them on my Synology to, uh, to live forever. Yes, of course. There. Well, that's what that's what that's what a NAS drive is for, or partially what a NAS drive is for. Yeah, I have all those on my NAS drive too. Now, I will point out something to you, John. I haven't seen this with Mavericks yes. because it hasn't happened yet. But mm. with Lion and Mountain Lion, if I updated my OS, um, it would go out and find that installer and update the installer mm. on my NAS drive. Yeah, it was scary. It, it, it shouldn't be. I mean, it was mounted, but it wasn't on the, you know, it wasn't in my applications folder or anything. And it would still go out and uh, and do that, which is. I, good well, you and i have both seen this is that uh, when you do software update yeah sometimes it gets uh, and i think that's what you're saying is sometimes it gets very aggressive in seeking yes. out things to update and sometimes it may not be what you want that's right okay. so speaking of software update john we talked again last week about all the updates to the iWork and iLife apps uh, and yeah and and go yes well <laughs> It, so we've had uh, a lot of complaints about those apps sent to us because as, as as we discussed briefly last week, there's a lot of features that have uh, that are missing or have changed dramatically. Right. It's not just a point upgrade. It's like it's almost like they wrote a whole new app. And that is almost true. What what they did, one of the features you'll notice with a lot of the apps like pages and numbers is if you had an iPad, the file formats between the iPad versions of these apps and then the files created with the Mac versions were not the same. They 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 both had translation engines to to go back and forth, mm. but it, they weren't using the same file format. And now they are. Well, how you might ask yourself to take a page from John F. Braun's book, how might they have accomplished this? Well, the way they accomplished this is they ported the iPad versions of these apps to the Mac. Now, that inherently uh, isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's actually a really good thing. No, it's and terrible. It's something okay. I've talked to. I've talked to folks inside Apple. This is something they've been trying to do for about three years, four years. Uh, and they kept getting de derailed because there was like autosave that they had to, you know, implement very quickly and like, oh, OK, well, we got a back burner of the port, you know, and finally they were able to make this jump. And I think I, I and I, I don't mean to apologize for Apple blindly, but I think long in the long term, it will be a good thing because you've now got one code base that they can develop for both device, you know, both sets of devices. And I think that's a good thing. But in the short term, what it means is there were all these features in the Mac version of these apps that weren't in the iPad versions. And they just aren't they haven't been put into to this, you know, Mac version yet. I think some of them will come back. I don't think all of them will come back, but I think some of them will. So so that's okay. why you're seeing this. I just kind of wanted to make sure everybody understood that that's what's going on. And no. for the record, Apple has not come out publicly and said this. Uh, I am certain of this for my from my own beliefs and from the people I've talked to. But I don't think you'll ever hear Apple come out and say this is what they did. But I but I can tell you this is what no. they did. So. Yeah, no, I agree with you. But I mean, the good news, Dave, is that, you know, I'm looking, you know, for example, on my MacBook Pro where I upgraded is that they did squirrel away the older applications. So in this case, Very I work, good point. I have a folder called iWork09, which has the prior versions. So they didn't uh, 
And I think there will be a lot of fish shakes if they did, but they did not eradicate the older versions. They just put newer, maybe not better, right. maybe not more capable versions. No, and I actually had, uh, so one of my pals here, uh, uh, Tony, Tony in Osaka, you know, he's, he's uh, uh, I think a regular listener. And he actually pointed this out to me. And actually this was a, a very valid point. He's like, I can't open up an RTF file in the latest iPages. And I oh. went to my MacBook and I'm like, you know what? You're absolutely right. If you highlight a RTF file and you right click on it, which will give you the list of apps that can open it. The only one, uh, it will show only the older iPages. If you highlight something like a text file, it will show you both the old and the new pages. So, and actually that, that and I verified it. So yeah. the new pages does not understand RTF files, at least not directly. You, you have to fiddle with it, which is odd to me, Dave, because, you know, Apple releases, this was the point I made to him. Apple releases a lot of their documents like, yeah. you know, software updates and, uh, and tech, the license tech. agreements in RTF format. So why would they upgrade their app to not understand documents that they release in RTF? That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Now, well, text edit will open them I, I, again, not, Understood. not to make and, an apology. And actually, he said to, that. No, yeah. and actually he said that. Yeah. But, but it, 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 you know, it's, con it concerns me because they took a feature away from pages that it used to be able to do, which and, is read RTFs. Yeah. But, but, but again, to the, to the beginning of this discussion, they didn't take mm -hmm. a feature away. They just haven't added it to this version yet. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, again, I get from the consumer point of view, that distinction is largely irrelevant from the consumer's point of view. Yes, they took a feature away. Well, right. That I could do this. Now I can't. Right. So correct. Absolutely. Is it better. Well, it's but I think the reason that it is important is that they didn't take the feature away. So it's not as though they made a design decision. We should not mm -hmm. have this in here. It's that they have not yet made the design decision. We should put this in here. So it's possible and, and entirely likely that a lot of these types of features will be brought to the Mac version of pages. Now, okay. I can't I don't think I don't know about this one in particular, but it, but again, it's not as though somebody made an executive decision to scratch that feature. It just hasn't been added in yet. So there's I, I guess what I'm trying to do is offer you hope. <laughs> It's a very diplomatic way of putting it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Again, I, I, I think it sucks for some things that, you know, like no, especially GarageBand not having the support to create yes, this kind right. of chapterized podcast. That's really bad. But I, I don't think, like we mentioned, that they have, but they didn't eradicate the older version that could do this. That's right. They just replaced it with something different. That's right. So yeah. if you like it, cool. If you don't. Yeah. Hey, Maybe I want to so tell on. you about our, our first sponsor here, John. Um, awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's what we do. Uh, and, and that is Smile Software. Uh, and you can find them at smilesoftware.com. Today, I get to talk about PDF Pen Scan Plus. Now, Smile makes a lot of great pieces of software. Uh, they make software for the Mac, and they also make software for iOS. And this is a piece of iOS software. And it's available on the App Store, of course, uh, for $4.99 U.S., and what it does is it uses uh, it uses your iPhone's camera to take a picture of a document and then it uses your iPhone's processor. And, you know, the newer ones have pretty, you know, kicking processors in them uh, to convert that the the text, the image of the text that you just took 
into actual editable text and it allows it to be saved as a PDF. So, uh, and, and this, this actually makes life really, really easy because you get this document that looks exactly like the document that you took a picture of, but it's got real text in it. The first thing that does is it shrinks the size of that PDF way, way down because the text is just text. And then it, it adds a font styling to it as opposed to storing the images of what the text looks like. And then it also means that you can copy text out and then you can use PDF pen for your iPad or even for your Mac to edit that text because that's what that allows to happen. And, uh, and you know, you can email the PDFs and uh, it's actually pretty cool the way it works. You take a picture and then it, it helped, you know, it, it tries to auto define the edges and you can confirm or correct. And then, uh, and, and then off it goes. And I've played with it on, uh, I guess I've played with it on my iPhone five and my, and my, and both my five S obviously. And, uh, and I've had great luck with it. So yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, uh, it's it's one of those things that, again, to have it in your toolbox, to be able to use it kind of on the fly is an awesome thing. So check it out. Smilesoftware.com is where you're going to check this out. Of course, uh, to uh, to download it, to buy it, you will visit the uh, the iTunes app store uh, and that's uh, it's available for four ninety nine there. So thank you very much to the folks at Smile for sponsoring this. And thanks to you for checking it out and supporting them, which makes us all look good so smilesoftware.com pdf pen scan plus for your ios devices all right john it's time to uh it's time to talk to everett right i think he has a he I think he has a question well, he'll which, talk which to I'm us i'm gonna try and play we'll talk to him all right sounds good here we go hello john hi dave i have an issue with a 2011 macbook pro um, i just recently installed a ssd and moved the hard drive to the optical bay and bought a case for the optical drive my question is is that my home i, I suspected my library folder but i haven't checked the size of it yet when I go to the migration assistant, and I was just going to migrate over just my user and leave my music, my documents on the hard drive. Um, but anyways, I went to <clears throat> go and migrate it. When I check the checkbox for my user and then uncheck everything except for my documents, which is two gigs, my applications, which is 30 megabytes, and my... Um, do, do, do. <sighs> my movie folder, which, you know, I'll be doing movie editing, so I want that on the SSD, which is like 7 gigs, and it's a 120 gig. Um, it says I want, it says that it's wanting to move over 100 and, 100 and something gigs, which obviously won't fit, even though I've only selected about probably 30. Um, I think my library folder might be a little bloated. <laughs> I'm guessing that's why just the library folder is 80 gigs. So um, how can I weed that down, if at all? Thanks. John, you want to take this one? I will. And I did. But <laughs> but I think it's open to discussion, Dave, because um, yeah, I'm wondering why it's so large. So the thing is, is that uh, so whatever it's talking about is the contents of his library folder in his user directory. Okay. Yes. 
Now, the thing is, that's nor- uh, now number one, you know, the pain in the neck is that that's normally hidden. Now, of course, under a mountain line, you could reveal what is hidden. If you go to the Go menu in the Finder and you hold down the Option key, you will see Library show up. Well, that's what you that's where you want to be looking. And Dave, I'm not sure exactly where it is, but now in Mavericks, I believe they actually have a checkbox in one of the pref panes. They do. I will, I will tell you how to get there. You, tell me, friend. Yeah. No, this is one of those great little Mavericks tips. So if you want to make your library folder display like it did in Lion and Prior, uh, you can you first have to in the finder, go to your home directory and then. Uh, go to the view menu in the finder and say show view options. And at the almost very bottom of that, you will see a little checkbox that says show library folder. And if you check that, then it will appear. Note that you have to be on your home directory in order to see that checkbox because show view options is sensitive to the context that you are in. So if you go to any other folder that checkbox will not appear so uh and then once you do that then you're then you're good to go so yeah i checked that as soon as i found out about it which was not that Mm -hmm. maybe just a couple days ago i went to all my macs and uh all my all my mavericks macs and did it so yeah cool yeah so go ahead now what i did is what i've done personally as a trick is when i have had that folder in the finder i would drag it into my favorites yes that will work under any version of os 10 yep so i would recommend to people because the library folder well, you want to be careful. You don't want to just, you know, hack and slash what's in the library folder because that can get dangerous because that, that and I can kind of understand why Apple hid that from people because it's probably something that you may not want to casually go into and start mucking about. <laughs> yeah. But since you're listening to us, you, you have permission to do so. That's but, right. Uh, again, you can look, but as far as touching things in there, so so to get back to Everett's question, if you look in that folder, then once you navigate to the library folder in your home directory, well, now what? And the thing is, he's saying, well, what's hogging all the space? Well, the way you want to do this is that normally you may not be able to see how much space everything takes up. If you click on that folder, you're going to see a list of you know, folder names, date modified, size, kind, stuff like that. What you want to do is, well, as Dave pointed out, if you go to show view options, you're going to see a number of cool checkboxes. And there's one that's normally not checked because it take it, it does cause the OS to do a, sometimes a lot of work. And there's a little box saying calculate all sizes. So what you want to do is click on that box and then maybe wait a moment and then you will see the size of all of the items in the library folder, which is what he was seeing. He's like, well, where is all this space being taken up? Well, that's going to tell you. And we're waiting to hear back from him. In my case, Dave, actually the largest offender in my case was my mail folder. Right. It was about 15 gigabytes. Now I have mail back probably going over 10 years and attachments and all that stuff there. So you might have it going uh, back 20. That's what I have. I've got it yeah, back it to 93. And, and there could be attachments yeah. and pictures and movies and stuff. like. That. But, but the thing is to determine this is, Really, to me, the only way that you can determine what is taking all that space in your library folder. So we're waiting here back, but this is how you can do that. And I have a, I have a again, better way, John, well, a different way. Well, but. well, I do, too. And I think uh, I, I think I know what it is, but go. Yeah. So uh, I, I'd like to be able to I, I, 
I don't like to leave the calculate uh, folder sizes on because, as you said, it con it it, it costs time and it causes lags while you're yeah. digging through. Yes. But there are times when you want to turn it on. Uh, and the problem is if you turn it on and you see one folder like, you know, you let it finish. Finally, it finishes. And now you see the application support folder is the big one. So you double click application support. And now you have to go in and turn on calculate all folder sizes and wait again to see which folder inside application support or folders are the, the culprits. So I use um, and there are other pieces of software that that do this. But I I've started using uh, Omni Group's Omni Disk Sweeper and mm -hmm. it will go through your whole hard drive and then give you a hierarchy list where you can click through and see what's taking up space where I find it very simple. There's like I said, there's other software that's more graphical. I just find this one. It it sorts by size order once it once it finishes doing its scan and it makes it super easy to dig in and see exactly where the space is being taken up on your disk. And the best part is it's free now, like 100 percent free. So I will uh, I was using it earlier today on the iMac at the house and I found I found 50 gigs worth of space that we didn't need because we had some games in steam and, you know, it's other caches. stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, caches you can clean other ways, but at least it tells you how to how to clean them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, OK, all yeah. I would say is, all right, once you found it with Omni Disk Sweeper, be careful. Yeah, know what you're deleting or choosing not to move. Exactly. All right. And as you and I have said time and time again, Dave, make a backup, make multiple backups. Because the thing is, uh, like I pointed out in in your home directory or especially in the library folder, there are things with which if you delete them, you could render your system. Oh, inoperable. yeah. Oh, yeah. OK. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some of them are pretty clear. Again, they're, you know, caches or iTunes or mail and stuff. And if you get rid of them, well, maybe you lose data. But some of them are actually essential parts of applications that they need to run. Like you pointed out, Dave, I guess application support is is one of the folders that you may see there, which, well, duh, that's, you know, <laughs> well, not duh. No, sorry. We're, you know, we're teaching here. <laughs> right. You know, it's stuff that is required to support applications running. And if you get rid of that stuff, well, okay, it takes up space, yes, but you know, if you get rid of it, then <laughs> your computer's not going to work anymore, or it's going to work very, very strangely, and then you'll send an email to us <laughs> to ask us what you did. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yes. 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 All right. Are we good on? Uh, are we good on this one, John? I think we're waiting to hear back from Everett. Okay. Cool. It's taking all that space. All right. What's next, Dave. Uh, next is uh, probably something that's going to get a little geeky, which is good. Uh, Ken wrote in and he said, I'm having trouble with an application called net extender. And, and he, he, he went through, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think here. He says, uh, well, I'll, I'll read the question and then I'll, I'll sort of frame how we're going to answer it here. He says it crashes immediately when it opens. I installed it on another Mac and it works fine. I tried closing all applications, helpers, etc., and it still will not launch. Remembering your advice to other users, I created a clean user account on the same iMac 
And this worked perfectly. This leaves me trying to determine what is different between the two accounts. I've tried killing all processes on the non-functioning account that were not running on the clean account, uh, but I've not had any luck. Do you have any recommendation for the next step in the troubleshooting process? And this is, again, his his specific scenario is, is probably specific only to him. But in general, we do. We recommend this concept of create a test user account. Well, he did that. And now he knows it's a problem with his user account. What next? Mm. So in, in this instance, you know, there's a couple things that I would look at, John, and, uh, and we'll, you know, we'll pass this back and forth as we do. But I always think, OK, well, what apps are running in the background uh, when one user account is logged in versus another? Right. It's either an app that's running or a preference setting somewhere. Right. That's mm. that's my opinion. So to check the apps. Um, I would go to, uh, first, the easiest place is system preferences, go to users and groups, click on one or both accounts. Cause you're going to compare them and look at login items. This is the easiest place to check, to see what might be launching on one account versus the other. And, uh, and then you can pick and choose and turn things off. Note that the checkbox here does not impact whether or not the app launches. Every app that's listed here will launch, right? What the checkbox does is it decides whether the app will be launched with its window of visible or hidden. So don't let that fool you. Uh, the other way that you can uh, test an account uh, for to keep it from launching any login items is to start up in safe mode, which means holding down the shift key. That also disables a lot of other things. So that may or may not be a great test, but it's it's a test. If the login items thing doesn't show you anything, there is this service called Launch D that has been in OS 10 since I want to say Snow Leopard, but it might have even been before that. Launch D kicks off all kinds of processes uh, and every process that Launch D kicks off is managed by a single plist file. Each process has its own little plist file and you can dig in and try and find all these and look at them or uh, you can look you can use an app uh, called Lingon, L-I-N-G-O-N, from Peter Borg, and we'll put that in the show notes, of course. Uh, that will show you everything. It, 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 it kind of goes through, enumerates all these plist files, displays them graphically, and then you can actually edit them. You can disable them without deleting them, or you can delete them. Uh, but this will give you an idea of what else is running, too. Um, so that's that those are kind of the two ways and we can talk we can talk a little bit about uh, I'll dig in and find the exact paths that you would look for and we'll talk about that too but John do you have anything else if you did well, the paths that you I didn't want to use Dave. go ahead go which is why why we do what we do yes or we kind of pass it back and forth so the thing is Dave so we just talked about the library folder and if you look in uh, so number one you know great work in that it's definitely user based Right, right, right. So we determine this. Now, the thing is, if it's user based, then where you where you may want to go to look for clues is in the library folder, which we just told you how to get to. Okay. And the thing is, one place you may want to look at. Now, I I do believe Lingon shows you this, but if you want to rough it and and yeah. look and just see the raw content, yeah, without having to buy Lingon, then, sure. Then there is a launch agents folder in the user library folder. That's it. So that's one place where things specific to that user are being launched. And that could be where 
And they're all plist files. They basically are input, I believe, to launch the that basically say, okay, run this when you're starting up the user. That's so, true. And 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but I think if you wanted to test, you could just drag one or more of these to your desktop and then you know log out and log back in or reboot. And then it wouldn't launch that that time. And then when you want to put it back, as, you can just put it back in. As far as I know, that is correct. Okay. So, you know, uh, we'll reiterate here very, you know, good practice. You know, if you're going to drag something out of the launch agents, or I think the two others to look for, though, I ha- I don't see them on my current machine, Dave, but there is launch daemons and startup items. And the, between those three, uh, those are items that the OS uh, will launch either on a per user or system wide basis to start up useful things that happen in the background. Awesome. So, yeah. So if you drag it out of there, yeah, I'm totally with you is, you know, drag it somewhere else, restart the system. If, if you screwed something up, yeah. <laughs> then put it back, put it back. Yeah, yeah. And probably a lot of times it'll ask you, you know, it'll ask you for an admin password. Typically you almost always need an admin password when you're fiddling with things and you're, you know, some of these sensitive user folders. Each of these, the the names of these should give you some indication as to what they do. They're, they're all typically built in what, and this might be the wrong name or it might be the right name. Uh, John, I, I call it reverse domain name format where it starts with something like com.apple.safaribookmarksinker.plist. Now that's an Apple built in thing, but mm-hmm. you could take it out. Uh, but, you know, I've also got something like, uh, you know, com.synology.cloudstation.plist. And that's because it launches the Synology private really? cloud software. In that user way. folder. In my user. Hmm. Of course. Yeah. Because it launches under, under my user account. All right. Yeah. So some of the ones I see. So I see com.prosofteng.dgmonitor.plist. And I see com.valvesoftware because I like their games. Sure. Run, run Valve. And I see com.google.keystone, which is the evil <laughs> uh, Google background software updater, yeah. which you know, I'm kind of okay with. But, uh, but no, you're right. It'll be it.dot What does it do? Right. Yeah. Or which and, app? Right. Some will be Apple. Some will be some will be other people. So yes, yes. Awesome. All right. So I hope that helped. I hope it's helped. Yeah. All right. So we have uh, we have two questions from Bob, and we're actually going to sandwich a sponsor mention uh, in between them because I think it actually will make make sense, and we'll try and make this as sandwich. Uh, yeah, we like sandwiches. <laughs> sandwiches are tasty. Homer. <laughs> That's right. I hope. <laughs> Uh, all right. So Bob writes and he has two different Bobs, but, uh, but that you, you don't care. Uh, so Bob says, I have a brand new iMac, uh, and a brand new to a, a brand new, uh, and, and am brand new to the Mac as well. Okay. Now I'm understanding. So, uh, 10 days, uh, at being a Mac user and the iMac is new, but a long time windows user, 20 plus years. Uh, I used Apple's migration assistant and it pulled everything over from my PC to the iMac and everything else is working fine. I have an iPhone 4S and an iPad 2. Both started life on my PC. Now that they live on the iMac, I'm having problems syncing to the iMac either via cable or Wi-Fi. Under iTunes, Wi-Fi sync on the 4S uh, is trying to sync to both the PC. Uh, You know what? I am reading exactly the wrong question, John, and this is why I got screwed up. 
Uh, cause as I'm reading this, I'm thinking that a, this sounds really familiar, but, but not because this is a question we answered in April. I was so, going to say, because I brought up the two Bob questions yeah, and, and one neither is one of them private is private something. Yeah. And one is called how to, yeah. and I yeah. was wondering, and, and that one were, is called syncing existing iPhone to new Mac. See, so it, it was like <laughs> close enough that I just grabbed it. I'm going to start over with Bob number three. <laughs> uh, rewind. We will Take rewind. Two. Take two. Uh, Bob writes, <laughs> I, my wife uses my old PowerBook G4 running 10.4.11, uh, and she also is using my old iPad 2. She asked today why uh, her contacts from the PowerBook are not showing up on the iPad, or why when she creates an email, the iPad doesn't automatically suggest automatically suggest names like mail on the power like the, on the PowerBook like uh, names like mail on the PowerBook does. So her iPad uh, her iPad doesn't suggest names, doesn't have her contacts. Uh, but her power book does. He says, I assume this is a dot Mac versus iCloud issue because her power book won't run an OS that will sync to iCloud uh, only to dot Mac. And if so, is there anything we can do short of entering the contact data manually on her iPad to ask another way? Is it possible to coordinate contacts between iPads and legacy Macs? Okay. So yes, there is. I have really? an answer. I do. Yeah. Dave, we're, we're, this is crazy talk here, though. Mm-hmm. PowerBook well, G4 running 10.4. I mean, e- even Dave, you know how I I tend to like to run hardware much lo- or operating systems much longer than they should be. But actually, I'm looking forward to your response here because I, I would my response would be, dude, you're running a. 10.4 how could yeah you- but i don't think they could run anything that would sync to icloud right on that machine i may be mistaken about that well from what i've said well i think icloud is available on any machine through the web interface but whether but that's it not going to sync her with- contacts yeah right no no but it, yeah and i agree with you so so the thing is you can access iCloud content versus ver- via a web browser but yeah to actually have it draw upon what is in yeah, like contacts on your machine, then yeah, I think at the very least, Dave, I, I think you need at least Lion, right? The last build of Snow... Did they ever put it in uh, the last build of Snow Leopard? This is this is why I'm glad Apple gave away Mavericks for free, because we don't have to remember as much of, uh, of what well, the... Uh, well, Dave, I was running... So up until very recently on my Mini, and you shook your fist at me, I think, for doing this, but the yeah. thing is, up until very recently, I was running... Lion and I, I had limited iCloud support, and that some of it was done via IMAP, and it was kind of wacky as far as you know syncing notes and stuff. It it kind of worked, but upgrading it to Mountain Lion made it much a, a much better citizen of my you know computing uh, posse here. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah. So I'm just saying. So I yeah. Think the ten point four. It's like. Wow. Yeah, I, I think I, I think if she were able to get up to Snow Leopard on that machine, she would be able to sync. Mm-hmm. But that's ten six, right? So, you know, will it will it run that? I don't know. I think it probably would, to be honest. But uh, but let, let's answer the question at face value. But putting it up to Snow Leopard may may actually Go. be a better solution. However, if you don't or can't uh, or don't want to use iCloud uh, for this syncing, Apple does offer other options for syncing services inside the contacts app. And of course, on that computer, mm-hmm. it's called address book, but go into address book, 
go into the preferences and in there you will have, I believe it's listed as an accounts pane. You might have to dig a little bit. I don't have a 10 four machine that I can test this on, but, uh, but in that accounts pane, you should be able to add additional syncing accounts and Google's contact mm-hmm. syncing works very well. Go get yourself a Gmail address. Uh, and it, and you might already have one. And if you do, and you're okay, syncing your t- contacts through that same address, that's great. Then you just log into your, you add Google as a sync option with the little plus button on that accounts list. And, uh, and you're good to go there. And then on your iPhone, you go and do the same thing. Add that Gmail account. Uh, you don't have to turn mail on if you don't want to use, you know, Google's mail, but, uh, but you add the Gmail account and then you turn on contact syncing. And that will then become the avenue via which contacts sync between the two. I believe the limitation with Google is no more than three phone numbers per contact. So that may be uh, a hang up that may or may not matter to you. But uh, but otherwise, it works great. I actually sync my contacts with both. I sync with iCloud and with Google uh, and my system seem to just hmm. reconcile it just fine. Yeah. Yeah. So so that will work. Yes. It's good. And uh, and you can do the same with your calendar, right? You can you can sync your calendar with Google on both uh, and you don't have to use iCloud and Google calendar syncing is available in the older uh, builds of the OS. So. So there you go. Right. Yeah. Good. And actually a, a, a small uh, calendar tangent, Dave, uh, is no, uh, so yeah, take a small calendar tangent. But then I need to uh, we have a, We have a scripted uh, path that I've laid out here. But go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's OK. <laughs> well, no, the, the, the tangent I'm going to take is that. So I just set up my iPhone 5S and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thrilled with it. And actually, uh, I will tell you shortly about my adventures with T-Mobile and getting data connections and also my fish shake at them for not giving me my money. You have a but short um, leash on this one here, right? Cause I do have a scripted right. path that I'm trying the to thing take this I, down. The thing I set up is that you can uh, add holiday calendars to, mm. yeah, I'll link to it. No, the thing that's is, it great. was not initially, it was not initially part of my calendars on my new setup. Yep. Cause it didn't migrate or for whatever reason, but I, both iCloud and Google offer holiday calendars, including daylight saving time. Right. That's right. I knew yes. that we're, we're, where we're at. So yeah. uh, anyways, back to you, my friend. No, that that's actually, that, that makes for a perfect segue into uh, our next sponsor, which is busy Cal. Uh, it's from busy Mac software, but, uh, but it is busy Cal is the, uh, calendar program that they make when this first came out, they are at version 2.5. Now this is a very mature product, but when they first came out, uh, they were calling it like iCal pro or now like calendar pro. And it couldn't be a more accurate statement. Uh, it, this is a fantastic calendar program for your Mac. I run it on all of my Macs. Uh, I was ecstatic when they came out with this because I, I, Frankly, OS 10's calendar app, call it iCal, call it calendar, call it whatever you want. Way too limited uh, for me and way too clunky to use. Uh, so there's a couple things about BusyCal that make it fantastic for me. First of all, um, it, the, they, it, it, it just works, right? When the first time you launch it, it says, okay, do you have data in the calendar app? Uh, and if so... It will import it in, but it doesn't just import it in. It imports the syncing preferences in so that it will then stay in sync at any point in time 
uh, at on any of my Macs, I could go and launch the calendar app and I would see all my data there. So everything is still there. It's all still up to date. It stays in sync. But but now BusyCal is a client on that syncing chain with iCal and with Google. And now with version 2.5, which just came out, uh, BusyCal adds the uh, option for exchange support. So if you have an exchange calendar, you can now finally use BusyCal with that, too. And I know a lot of you were uh, holding out on BusyCal because you needed exchange support. Uh, so that's that, that's kind of the, the, the big picture thing. It's as I said, it's totally compatible. Everything syncs. And one of the things that I really like is that BusyCal shows me my to do's right there inside BusyCal. I don't need to run a separate app to do this. I can move my to-dos around inside the calendar view. Let me tell you, if you have used Apple's reminders, uh, try it out with BusyCal. And you can. You can go to BusyCal.com and download a 30-day free trial. So uh, go try this out. Moving, if you manage your to-do list with with due dates and things like that, there is nothing better than being able to pull up a month calendar and drag to do's around. Uh, you really get to kind of plan out your life. Like this week, I'm going off to the Mac tech conference. And so I know that realistically on uh, Wednesday and Thursday, I'm not really going to be able to get any to do's done. I mean, I might get some stuff done, but I'm, I'm sort of out of pocket. So I get to look and see what's going to be due on Wednesday and Thursday and then move those either to Friday or maybe to Monday, you know, whatever day is going to work best for me. And getting to see that, it's awesome. So that that alone is a great reason to check out uh, BusyCal. Also has something called Smart Filters. So you have all your different calendars, right? You might have work. You might have uh, home. You might have kids' sports. You might have, you know, uh, concert events that you might want to go see, whatever. You can set up Smart Filters where you have different sets of calendars that turn on uh, with each filter, and you, they, you can just line them up across the top of the screen and you click on the name of the set. Like, you know, you say, I want to know about my weekend life and bam, off goes your work calendar. All that clutter is gone. And then you get to see what your uh, what view you want. And then you can just bounce around to any of these smart setups that you've uh, that you've created it really makes things easy. They also have some cool stuff like adding the weather uh, and the and moon phase, which is actually really cool. Uh, so you can see when the moon's going to going to change. But uh, they also make it based on your locale. They they grab sunrise and sunset times and they it's very subtle, but they make the uh, they make the, the sidebar of the you can see the calendar and all the different views. Right. You get, you know, your your month view or your day view. And if you're looking in the day view or the week view where you can actually see the hours of the day, they shade the ones that are uh, between sunset and sunrise, which is actually kind of cool. So. Go check this out. It's uh, you can probably tell by by the way I'm talking about it that I'm absolutely in love with this thing and I truly am. Uh, so I'm very, very happy to have them as a sponsor. It makes it very easy for for me to talk about. But go check it out. BusyMac.com or BusyCal.com will get you there. Uh, 30 day free trial from them. And then when you're ready to buy, you actually buy it on the Mac App Store, which means you buy it once and you can put it on your other Macs. That's how the App Store license works. Uh, and you buy it at the App Store for 50 bucks or forty nine ninety nine. So uh, so go check it out busycal.com busymac.com and uh and let them know where you heard about it we would uh we would appreciate it appreciate that and so would they all right john i said that this was a sandwich so we're going to go to mm. another bob whether i pick the right bob or not 
I'll never know. You'll never know. Well, actually, you might. I will. <laughs> yeah, you, you will. That's right, because you see the agenda. So Bob writes, with iOS 7 and Mavericks, I find that Apple has dictated I must use iCloud to sync my calendar and contacts among my iPhone 5S, iPad, and MacBook Pro. I still have reservations about trusting such data to any cloud service. Uh, so I thought I would ask you if you knew of a way short of going back to Mountain Lion to accomplish the sync without using the cloud of any kind. Uh, I have signed up for an iCloud session at my local Apple store to find out how you how to sync and not duplicate calendar entries or contacts. But still, I'm curious if you have any thoughts. And he's right. The latest version of iTunes previously with iTunes, you could plug in via USB and sync your calendars and contacts over the wire to your phone. This obviously had to be a manual process and uh, and wasn't wasn't as smooth as this just magic cloud syncing, but it did come with the benefit of being private. So merge those two concepts together, must use cloud, want to be private. And we start entering the world of private cloud. Most of the private cloud world that we've talked about um, has been for syncing files, but there are ways of setting up private cloud to do calendars. Uh, the, the obvious one, and there's a huge caveat with this, but the obvious one that comes to mind is a piece of open source uh, software called own cloud, O W N cloud. And it is, it will allow you to do file syncing. Uh, it will allow you to do calendar syncing. It will do contact syncing. It does all kinds of stuff. And, uh, and you install the server software on one computer or dedicated box. Our Synology units will run own cloud and it works. It's, it's, so ridiculously simple to set up that it seems too easy and, uh, and that's okay. And then there's iOS clients for it, but, but as far as your calendar, it would just connect like you would to anything else using the normal settings app. The big problem, the big caveat that I warned you about own cloud server does not currently work on the Mac. If you set up the own cloud server on like your Synology box, John, it's fine. But if you want to set it up on your Mac, you can't, it's because of some problem that, Apple broke Unicode support and they haven't worked around it yet. I don't know. There's, it, it doesn't work. So I'm wondering, John, if you have any ideas for this. Or am I throwing you a curveball? Big curve. Uh, yeah, good. Swing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, I've done a, I've been dabbling with my calendar stuff and, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I just I don't know of a way of getting calendar data out to the uh, to the iPhone uh, manually. You, you're, you mean it, it's just you? I, 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 if anybody has any ideas on this, uh, short of own cloud, um, you know. Uh, well, actually, I do have an idea, John. So uh, Mavericks, and this is actually kind of one of these meta things that will solve a problem, but but hopefully teach you something. Uh, even if you're not interested in this problem, Mavericks like mountain lion before it has, it is a full fledged Unix. Okay. And that means that it has a lot of servers built into it. And one of mm -hmm. the servers that's built in to every copy of Mavericks and of mountain lion, uh, is a Caldav server. Okay. What you don't get with the free version of Mavericks is any, graphical way of managing or enabling that server. But if you're comfortable going into the terminal, you can turn it on. If however, you are not comfortable going into the terminal or simply want a simpler way, you can, Apple will sell you one. 
it's called Maverick's server. But all Maverick's server does, or most of what Maverick's server does, I know I'm going to get yelled at for this uh, because I'm going to be wrong. But in a general sense, this statement is true. They sell you, Maverick server sells you a graphical interface for things that are already available on your Mac. So you go, you go to the Mac app store. It's cheap now. I think Maverick Mm -hmm. server is 20 bucks. Right. I mean, yes. this is right. So dirt cheap, especially. Well, I mean, I downloaded it. But but the weird thing, Dave, is that they changed it now. So the the latest version is now called server. Uh, let me bring it up the menu here in software update. But uh, no, it's called like uh, so now it's called server something something. And if you're on the prior version of Mac OS 10, it's called server two dot something. Oh, interesting. But no, I've actually downloaded it because I, I think both both of us have the, uh, you know, uh, uh, developer subscription, which gives you a magic ticket. Right. Or a redeem code to get that in the app store. And I've done that on both my machines. So I have server and, and yeah, it's a right now it's an app that you basically run. Right. And it invokes or gives you a nice, you know gooey yeah. to all the things that are already buried in the OS and, and they just make it easier. But you know, to me for 20 bucks. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. So there you go. You can't run own cloud, but you can run what's built in. Now the, the, the downside to any of these roll your own cloud solutions is whatever box is rolling your cloud needs to be on all the time. Uh, so, you know, it having it on some network, attached box that is on all the time anyway like a disk station it would be great if something like you know the transporter or or drobo did this and it might right i mean they can certainly add that to these i don't know how i don't know what their their you know vision is for where these products are going to go that's their choice but but certainly you know finding something that you have running on your network if you've got a mac mini running in your living room to manage your you know your tv stuff well by all means that's the one to put server on and then, you know, then you're good to go. So that, that could, that could work really well. So, so there you go. That's my, uh, that's my story, John. I'm sticking to it. Good. As, as you should, as I should, (laughs) that's what I've been taught. I already got caught once this show. I got to be careful, you know? Mm -hmm. So Greg has a question. He says, uh, Ooh, "Good question." I, it's oh, I love this, and this is one of those things that especially again, I got my fancy new phone, and I'm concerned because I got a limited data plan. I don't yeah. know about you, Dave. Well, let me no, ask, let me curious. ask Greg's question so that people know why we're suddenly talking about this, right? Okay, can I do that? Go. Just so we, just to frame things, and then we can, you may okay. You cool. may. So Greg we'll, says, "We'll frame it." I, I recently gave up my iPhone four with an unlimited data plan, like you, John, uh, to try out the iPhone five S. Now that I no longer have unlimited data, I decided to look back at my data usage. Just before Halloween, I noticed something sort of scary. Last night, my iPhone 5S used 45 megs of cellular data while I was sleeping. Going back, according to Verizon, my iPhone has been using between 20K and 100K on most nights between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. while I'm sleeping. But for some reason on some nights, my iPhone will go insane <laughs> and use tens of megabytes of data. Ooh, scary. Right. Where's Count Floyd when you need him? Halloween. Uh, I know. Almost. Yeah. Go. Yeah. He says two questions. Number one, why isn't my phone using Wi-Fi even though I have Wi-Fi turned on at night? And number two, 
More importantly, how do I find out what is actually using this data? So the question about the Wi-Fi, I can't answer that. Um, but I, but I am going to test this tonight. I'm going to, that is a good question, Dave, because my understanding is that if your iDevice, whether it be iPhone or iPod or iPad or whatever, if it's connected. Well, it depends on what it's doing because there are some things that it communicates with the cellular network about. Right. So, Uh, so if it needs information that is specific to knowing your location and stuff like that. But otherwise, as far as I know, Dave, if, if Wi-Fi is available, then that's what it should use. Correct. I agree. Yeah. yeah, And now I'll, I'll toss out maybe inappropriately, but I'm going to toss it out. Uh, I use an app called data man and I'm still using it, Dave. Okay. So there's an app called data man. I love Uh, data man. Good. Yeah. So data man is a application that now the only downside, and I don't know why they haven't been able to get around this. It could be, you know, iOS stuff, but the thing is you have to have it running in the background. You have to have it running. But the thing is data man is an application that will basically watch your data use and will say, okay, that's Wi-Fi data and that's cellular data. And yep. it will show you, and it will then warn you, okay, John, you're you're approaching. And I actually have it set up for this, Dave, because I recently went to, you know, because of Verizon, I recently went to a two gig per month plan, which based on what their website shows me is cool, but I still want to know. And the thing is actually my, my last, you know, uh, look at the app, Data Man said, yeah, you're cool. You're, you're below your threshold for your uh, cell plan. And by the way, you've been, you know, having a great time on Wi-Fi, which. Yeah. So for anybody listening, the thing is, you know, definitely use Wi-Fi whenever you can to do any sort of data exchange on your iDevice, because, uh, you know, for, for the most part, it's going to be free. Right. Versus, you know, getting dinged by your company, but go. Yeah. No, you're right. And data man, I've, I've used that. Over time, too, I I used it uh, last year when we were trying to figure out my daughter's data usage and, and, you know, where that where that was coming from and all of that. And it was hugely helpful. However, uh, on top of that, perhaps Apple has Mm -hmm. and Data Man does great stuff. I don't don't you know, I don't want to discount where the benefits of that can come in because they can, they will send you push notifications to warn you of different, you know, where you Somebody are in threshold. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Apple so does. no, well, the cell companies do you, I get, I get notifications really? every month. I get, Oh yeah. Really? They, by law, they have to, um, they, I get a notification when we've hit, I think it's 75% of our data with, usage with who we're with AT&T. Uh, and okay. we have, we so have I'm a with six Verizon. Gig. Yeah, but and, I think Verizon has me. to. They got it. Well, they, they show me. Well, the thing is, they haven't alerted me, but I, uh, I, I don't think I've ever met the threshold. But right. The, they've shown me. Yeah, well, you're if brand to new website, to this plan, right? You haven't even had it a month yet. Right, but it's getting there. Yeah. So we have a six gig plan, and when we Go. hit, I guess it's maybe sixty six percent, whatever. When we, mm-hmm. I think, when we hit four gigs or four and a half gigs, we all get a text message saying, "Hey." Just oh. FYI, want to let oh, you know, okay. you know, you're getting close. Mm-hmm. It's just good. I actually like getting that. Our plan rolls mm-hmm. on the eighth of every month. So I, I hope to get it between like the fourth and the seventh 
because it means we're using at least, you know, it's good. Right. So getting it on the, uh, say, the 12th of the month would scare me a little because then it's like, uh oh, we're going to go over. But anyway, uh, Apple does with iOS 7 provide you with a great way to check this stuff. If you go into settings. No way. Yep. Go to settings, go to cellular. Uh, and then uh, you will see in uh, if as you scroll down, you'll see some of your cellular data usage. And then you will see a section that lists all your apps or many of your apps, all the apps that would like to use cellular data. And it says that the section is titled use cellular data for. And what's cool is you can turn off cellular data for any individual app that you have. So if, for example, you decide that, you know, you figure out that maybe, you know, I don't know, Spotify is, is using a ton of cellular data and you don't want it to, if you turn it off here, it, no matter what you tell Spotify to do, it will not use cellular data because you've turned it off here, but there's a benefit here below each Mm -hmm. app. There's a size. Uh, and it might be, you know, 25 K it might be 200 megs. It might be three gigs. That is the amount of data that that app has used over the cellular circuit since the last time you reset it. And if you go all the way to the bottom, there's a little reset statistics thing. So before you go to bed, Greg, choose reset statistics, go to sleep. Then when you wake up in the morning, you can look. And if there's any data listed below any of the apps, that's the one that's using cell data while you're sleeping. That's how you figure that out. Sneaky. I know. I know. It's good. It's good, right? It's what we do. It's how we roll. Well, it's not good that apps are using data. Well, but you got to figure out what it, it, I agree in a, in a general sense, that's not good, but this will at least let you narrow it down and figure out, okay, which app is it? And it might not be an app. No, I'm with you. You know, as you get to the bottom of that list, there is a thing that says, um, it's a stupid fingerprint thing. Stopped working well for me. Uh, system services. Really? Yeah. And, uh, it's a system services and then lists, you know, things like Siri, iTunes accounts, push notifications. And that may be what's going on with you. Although 40 megs of push notification, 40, yeah, 40 megs of push notifications is a lot, but, um, but you know, check it out. So you can, you can really dig in. Um, it's pretty cool. So, so Dave, I'm going to offer you a tip. Go. Hello. Yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you were, you were talking about issues with, Touch ID. And actually, I had some. So actually, when I first got my iPhone 5S, I tried to register my fingerprint and it was like, yep, yep, yep. Uh, nope, I don't understand you. <laughs> and then every time I went into that um, part of the uh, OS, it would say, no, it would say, OK, register your fingerprint. Nope, it, it wouldn't even let me. Well, so so the thing is, it it it, from what I understand from from what Apple has told us, it constantly is, you know, when you go through the learning process, it has you tap it six ways from Sunday, right, to get this baseline. But it's constantly relearning what's going on. Right. And I think as your hand gets like sweaty and stuff, I think you it's possible to teach it in a bad mode. I was trying to use mine last night. So uh, tangentially. I use we've talked about it before, but it's so awesome that this Mackie, uh, the DL 1608 mixer, mm. it's this mixer 
uh, for for the band. We you know, we plug all our instruments and microphones into it, and then it uh, controls what comes out of the main speakers and also what we hear on stage with our monitors. And uh, and this mixer uses an iPad in it. Right. You, you slide an iPad hmm. in and then it also plugs in. You can plug it into, you know, a, 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 a Wi-Fi base station. We have an airport express in the in the rack with the mixer. Mm-hmm. So what that means is I don't if I need to edit my or edit, <laughs> I think like a computer geek. If I need to to tweak my monitor mix, like I let's say I need more of the bass player. Right. Um, I can pull out my iPhone, launch the little app. And as long as I'm connected to that Wi-Fi network, uh, I can just choose my monitor mix and raise up, uh, you know, that level of him. And and I use in-ear monitors. So, you know, I just hear more of him in my ears. So last night on stage, I was actually using my iPhone mid song, uh, you know, for the first Hmm. couple of tunes to tweak things. And, but the problem was, it was like, you know, I was, I had more trouble fighting with my thumb to get the stupid phone to unlock than I did trying to edit the, you know, my, uh, my mix. So I gotta, I gotta sort that out. I gotta figure that out. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah, I, it's, you know, it's not perfect. There are many reasons that we don't see these in the new, uh, iPad, uh, air and retina mini, I think, well, I think for, for one getting these touch sensors is, is they're a little supply constrained, I think. So, yeah, all say is, you know, I paste it in our uh, chat room here, but, uh, um, it's in the show notes. There is a. <laughs> Awesome. But there's an article from Apple. And actually, it was funny because one of the people that I follow and follows me said, you know, I just did a workout and Touch ID doesn't work. And she was like, yeah, why not? And I'm like, sweaty. You know what? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And actually, Apple's notes say if you've uh, worked out, if you've been cooking, if you've been doing this, blah, blah, blah. If you're sweaty because you're playing the drums on stage under the lights and with a screaming crowd like, in front of you. Like Dave yes. Hamilton, then yes. <laughs> your Touch ID will not work as it should not because, I mean, you know, if I'm looking for ID, sweaty Dave Hamilton doesn't cut it, man. <laughs> right? I, Hello? I, I, I suppose so. Yes, that's right. Yes, yes. Uh, we did the, the gig we played last night. You'll appreciate this. It's a totally tangential thing, John. Uh, the, the gig we played last night. One of the you can't hear me, can you? John, John, John. He can't hear me at all. Let's see what Dave said. I'm going to uh, I'm going to pause things so that you don't have to hear me try and get John back in the uh, in the system. We will be right back. Mm-hmm. All right, I think we're back. Right, John. You can hear me. I can hear you. Yes. Okay. Skype pickup or something. Did you have a backup start firing off or something like that? Uh, I did. No. Yeah. Your your Skype connection now. You sounded great initially when when we first came back. You now sound marvelous. Yeah. You don't yet, but you but you will. But I I so while you uh, while your connection <laughs> kicks back up here, I, I will tell you. Yep. One of the costumes that uh, that that that. I, I appreciated last night. Well, what? it was a Halloween party that we played at this at this club, and uh, and it and these Why people you mentioned this because we were talking about the the gig, and I know you're going to appreciate this. <laughs> there were two people dressed up as spy versus spy, which was awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Mad Magazine. I yeah. remember that. You know yep. what's you know what's great about having an 11 year old son is Mad Magazine gets delivered to my house now. And, and they still publish that? Yeah, man. Are you kidding me? No, and I can get it on How my about iPad. Cracked? 
How about cracked? I cracked don't know. is they might. another staple to me. Yeah, yeah. They might. I don't know. But Dave, we're at the end of the show. But I know. It's not the end, Dave, because there is a new beginning in that you could email us to tell us what troubles you. And then we can help you in the next show. And Dave, you know how you do that? You send an email to feedback at MacGeekGap.com. Did you say feedback at MacGeekGap.com, John? I, I'm pretty sure I heard what I said, Dave, but yes. Feedback at MacGeekGap.com. Yes. But there are other ways. There are. In fact, if you're a premium subscriber, you can send an email to premium at MacGeekGap.com. And if you're not a premium subscriber, you can become one. Visit MacGeekGap.com. And uh, and learn about what you can do if you want to do a little something extra to support John and I, uh, and 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 really, and, and not just John and I, but in the efforts of what we do here in the show, it uh, it really does help. And those of you that are already premium subscribers, and those of you that have been for you know coming on your you know your almost five years, I guess we've had the program. Uh, it it means a ton to us that uh, those of you that can do, and we appreciate it. Uh, it also qualifies you for uh, for occasional gifts, and we're going to be processing one of those. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but also at MacGeekUp.com, you get to see the show notes that we've been uh, putting together during the show, and that John then goes and puts a polish on. What else, John? How can how else can they find us? It's amazing, Dave. The number of ways. Facebook. Too many ways. You've heard of this? Facebook.com/slash MacGeekGab. So that's one way, and. Uh, Typically, through that venue, you will see the posting for the next show. But also, Dave, Twitter, the Twitters. We do that. I do that. You do that. And so, Twitter.com. I am John F. Braun. He is Dave Hamilton. The show is Mackie Gab. The publication that we all know and love is Mac Observer. And uh, and one last thing, John. If you well, you can use the two last things. If you can use the Mac Geek Gab app, which is available in the App Store hmm. for your iOS devices, uh, you can listen to the show in there. Of course, you can leave bookmarks for topics in the shows that you have liked. You can leave us feedback from within the app, either text feedback or audio feedback. So uh, so that works. And if uh, you don't have that app on your phone yet, but you still have your phone and you want to leave us a message. You can do that by calling 206-666-GEEK, which John is 4335. And with that, I would like to thank Michael Johnston from the We Have Communicators podcast for converting this show to AAC for you. I hope that Apple still leaves a path open for us to be able to do that for you uh-huh. right now. Right now, that path still exists. But, but again, as we mentioned at the very beginning of the show, yeah, it, who knows where that feature is going? I can't get a straight answer out of they anyone at They started it and now they're That's pulling the, back. I not, don't get it. Not man. only did they start it, but they actually called me. Seven years ago. I mean, I, I, listen, I know things change, but the whole reason, uh, well, actually, Michael was the one that, that convinced me to do a, an enhanced show. Apple called me and said, we want your enhanced show to be the main one in the in the store, not your MP3 version. So at a time, they were committed. But, you know, things change. So we'll see. Listeners I hope this doesn't love change. It. I know. That's I know I mean. they do. I know. I know. Uh, we'd also like to thank Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com, for providing the bandwidth to get this show from us to you. And with that, I'd like to uh, thank 
all of our sponsors for this month in the podcast marketplace. BB Edit from Barebone Software. PDF Pen Scan Plus from Smile. Of course, Busy Cal, as we mentioned. Gazelle.com to sell your old iOS uh, devices and old stuff. And of course, Squarespace with that uh, 10% off coupon MGG11. All through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. And John, you kicked off the show. So it's only fitting that you wrap things up with perhaps a, a bit of, of a bit of wisdom, maybe a, 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 a crystallized gem of advice, something that might people might be able to hold on to and cherish for the week while we're uh, while we're gone here. It's just advice that applies to all parts of life. And that is don't get caught.